Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's January 29, 2017 and this is episode 558. Today we continue with part 2 of my travelogue series on my recent Hokkaido Winter Photography Adventure Tour for 2017. This was an amazing trip with a group of very talented and enthusiastic photographers and probably the most productive of my Hokkaido landscape tours so far thanks to the incredible weather conditions that we were presented with. When I talk about good weather conditions though, you might think I'm talking about beautiful blue skies, but that is totally the other end of the scale. For this tour we need grey skies and lots of snow. Day 4 of this tour was perhaps a little too extreme though, even for my liking. As we made our way from BA over to the west coast, a cold weather front that was slamming down on Hokkaido had blocked roads going south, luckily we were heading north, and our excellent driver was able to battle through to Haboro, where we'd spend the next two nights. We had to abandon a couple of locations that I was hoping to shoot, for today at least, as high winds and spray from the sea would have made them pointless. But before we went to the hotel, we did get to spend a good chunk of time at the computer shrine Torii, which is a Shinto gate in the sea, and you can see that in this photograph. Remember that if you can't see the images that I'm talking about on your device or computer, then just go to the website at mbp.ac558 and you can click on the images to view them larger there as well. This was a real battle with the elements, As the wind was so strong, even my sturdy Really Right Stuff tripod was shuddering during these fifteenth of a second exposures. I wanted to do a little longer to capture more wave movement, but they just weren't working even with my pushing down hard on the tripod to keep it from moving. But this shutter speed just about worked. I'm happy with the position of these waves, and I think that this photo at least partially conveys how harsh the weather was. I was shooting at f11 and an ISO of 400 to maintain that 15th of a second shutter speed, and I was happy to come away with at least a few frames that were actually sharp in these conditions. The following morning we drove back down the coast to the first location that we'd abandoned the previous day, And when we arrived, there was a patch of heavy snow, so we went with our driver to turn the bus around. And as we got back, we actually had a pleasant clear patch that lasted the time that we were there, but still gave us some beautiful dark skies while highlighting the texture in the snow quite beautifully, as you can see in this photograph. The sun was also catching the distant set of tetrapods in the sea, giving a nice highlight on them too, which I thought was nice. The rough sea was causing a lot of white water though, and this time I chose to smooth that over to a degree with a two minute shutter speed. 
I used a 10-stop and a 3-stop neutral density filter nested for 13 stops of additional darkness, which was perfect for these lighting conditions. I was back to my old faithful aperture of f14, and my ISO was set to 100. I was continuing to use my new Mark II 24-105mm lens for much of my work, as it's wonderfully sharp and very versatile, with that wide zoom range. But it wasn't quite wide enough for the next photo, which I shot with my 11-24mm to f4 lens at 14mm. For this photo, I wanted to include the full arch of driftwood under the snow on the beach, but also include that expansive sky with the stratocumulus clouds just above the horizon, but also that wispy bank of snow cloud that might be classed as cirrus clouds in the foreground. I love it when various weather conditions are this close together, because the sky changes so quickly and gives us lots of various opportunities. I was also here still playing with that beautiful texture in the snow. I shot this at an 80th of a second at f14, ISO 100. As we drove back up the coast to the second location that we'd skipped the previous day, the snow set in again for a while, and I couldn't help thinking once again that we were getting the exact types of weather for each scene that we shot as and when we needed it. It was really uncanny. As we walked down to the beach where I wanted to photograph the tetrapods, we were presented with this scene that once again plays not only on the snow texture, but the bright sun also caused this wonderful shadow, which is obviously a major part of this image. Once again, it was also great that we had a nice dramatic sky in the background, rather than clear blue, that you might expect to see with the foreground being so bright. For this, I also used a total of 13 stops of neutral density for a 1 minute 30 second exposure at f14 ISO 100. As I've mentioned before, all of these images were converted to black and white in Capture One Pro, and because the new Mark II 24-105mm f4 lens is still not supported for lens correction, I'm still manually selecting the old 24-105mm to, to fix the slight bowing that is easy to see on the horizon on a photograph like this. My 11-24mm lens is now supported, which is great, although it actually has much less distortion than the 24-105mm Mark II, so I'm hoping that Phase 1 get to this lens soon. Once we had all photographed this scene in our various ways, all different and all unique, we trampled through this pristine snow down to the beach and went over to a group of tetrapods that I know of that are half buried in the sand. We found that there was a rope and a lot of old fishing net tangled around a tree trunk that was washed up on the tetrapods, so I got a large knife from our bus and cut most of that away and proceeded to shoot this photograph. When photographing the sea, especially when there are some good waves, 
I sometimes like to use a shutter speed of one second, which enables me to capture a good amount of movement in the sea without smoothing it over completely. I also often use a two-second timer when shooting landscapes so that I can take my hand away from the camera before the exposure, and that reduces the risk of me introducing vibration through my hands. In cases like this, though, when I want more control over the actual moment at which the exposure starts, I do still use a cable release and turn off the two-second timer. This enabled me to perfectly time this image as a large wave washed up well past the tetrapods and tree trunk, and merged with a stream of water that was running down to the sea from the right to the left of this frame. This caused some beautiful swirls in the water, and I think my one second shutter speed captured this perfectly on this occasion. I also dropped on my large ND filters again for another shot of the same scene, but for a three minute exposure this time. I like both photographs, but you can see that they are, although obviously the same subject, the scene is depicted very differently. By increasing the shutter speed from 1 to 180 seconds, allowing the sea, which was still quite rough, to smooth over and create a much more silky and surreal look. We can still see a trace of how the seawater washes up past the tetrapods and merges with the stream flowing from right to left and causing the trail of water to flow around the tetrapods and back to the sea. Both of these images were shot at f14 with ISO 100 and a focal length of 43mm, although I did compose them slightly differently. We went for lunch after this session and went back to the Kompida shrine with the Torii gate in the sea that we visited at the end of the previous day. With the storm now gone we didn't have to battle with the wind, but the sea often takes an extra day or so to calm down, so we still had some great waves that we could now photograph with much slower shutter speeds, such as the 50 seconds that I used for this photograph. Again, I was using my cable release and timing my shots so that they started when higher than usual waves washed around the foreground. But then, at 50 seconds... The sea would continue to wash up and smooth over the gaps between the rocks. I like this shot mostly because there's a patch of highly textured foreground in the bottom right corner that is covered with snow and partly frozen, which I think adds a nice additional element of interest. I also like how the rough sea makes the line of tetrapods to the right slightly less defined than the Torii gate in the foreground. It gives a sense of depth to the image. The following day we were to drive a few hours further north to Wakanai, where we'd spend another two nights. On the way there's a spot that I've found where there are a number of different types of tetrapods. Technically only a certain type of wave breakers with four legs are called tetrapods. Using the word tetrapod to simply mean a wave breaker, this spot offers nice varied layers of them, which I love photographing when they're covered in snow 
as we can see in this photograph. What attracts me to this particular image is that I was able to place these large balls that look like those plastic practice golf balls, completely covered by snow, all along the foreground. On this trip, I'd invited a talented videographer named Rob Bampton to video the tour, and I'll be sharing the results of that probably in March when we've had a chance to edit the video. Rob asked me at this location, though, why I hadn't included the horizon in my compositions. I actually had been shooting both, and we'll share another in a moment. My reason for not including the horizon in some of these images, though, is because it enables me to simplify the shot a little more. Here, I think just having the three distinct layers works well and enables us to view each layer and appreciate the entire composition for its simplicity and minimalism. In this next shot, I'd taken a few steps forward to reveal an extra layer of golf ball tetrapods down in the water, and an extra layer of tetrapods in the sea to the right. Here I feel that the additional layers make the shot intrinsically more complicated, and the wider focal length and more acute angle also makes the horizon closer to the top right corner of the tetrapods. So I think including the distant horizon works better for this composition. I guess the point that I want to make here though, is that I don't think we necessarily need to include a horizon just because it's there, just out of the frame. I think we should include or exclude any element only when it adds to the composition, as I feel it does in this second image from this location. Another reason I think it works in this second image is because, as I mentioned, that acute angle, the horizon helps to cap off and rebalance the image. In the previous image, the top layer of tetrapods is already almost straight, and doesn't necessarily need to be rebalanced. Both images were physically perfectly level, by the way. I always use the digital level in my camera, and unless I have a creative reason to photograph a scene skewed, I generally have it straight. A little further on our journey, we stopped for a toilet break at a place in the middle of nowhere, where there is a huge line of wind turbines harvesting the wind to create electricity. The line of turbines that you see in this image is actually only about half of them. There's a similar number to my back as I shot this photograph. We were in a bit of a snowstorm again with high winds and snow blowing across the scene so we just grabbed some shots from a snowy bank before moving on but I like this shot enough to share it with you. This is also coming back somewhat to something that I mentioned in my 2016 Top 10 Images podcast a few weeks ago, which is that I'm tending more and more to add human elements to many of my photographs. Thinking about it, that may well be a tendency I'm developing more through running this tour, as much of what we do after the first three days is about man-made objects in the landscape, such as tetrapods, the Shinto Torii Gate, 
this wind farm, or the boat graveyard that we visit after this. Because we were shooting handheld, I increased my ISO to 200 to give me a 100th of a second exposure at f14, my go-to aperture for landscape work. After our restroom break, we forged along the coast to one of my favourite spots on this tour, the boat graveyard. We would come back to this location the following day, but this is my favourite shot from the end of day six. Once again, we found ourselves on the edge of a weather front with flurries of snow, sometimes quite heavy, giving ways to breaks in the clouds that make for some quite dramatic skies. I shot this at f14 with an eighth of a second shutter speed at ISO 100, so you can probably appreciate once again that the available light levels were quite low for a daytime photograph. This is partly what makes these locations so special though. We have some crazy skies in the next few images that I'll share from this location in next week's episode, so I hope you'll stay tuned for that. We'll wrap it up there for this second travelogue and pick up the trail again next week at the start of day 7. I have now updated the tour page and started taking bookings for the 2018 Hokkaido Winter Landscape Photography Adventure Tour and Workshop, so if you think you might be interested, please do take a look. You can find the page at mbp.ac hlpa and if you have any questions at all, please just drop me a line via our contact page that you can find at the top of any page on our website. Thanks very much for listening today. If you enjoy this podcast, please share a link with your friends. Subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast program to ensure uninterrupted delivery. If you have a moment to rate the podcast or leave us a review in iTunes, that helps to keep us relevant in the huge number of podcasts out there now. You can find me on Google+, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, etc. And links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com. So do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with the third episode in this travelogue series. But in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye bye.